Welcome back to the Community Christian Church Podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Tammy Melchine for week three in our series, The Book of Philippians. Community is one church in four expressions, meaning online, in person, and in small groups around the globe. Learn more and plan your visit at communitychristian.org. I want to start today with a confession. I don't like to exercise. I'm sure many of you will be able to relate. Now, I do drag myself off the couch to go for a walk or a bike ride because I know it's important, but I struggle with it. Frankly, some of the exercises you all do just terrify me. For example, a few years back, a lot of you got into all those trends around instructional exercise videos. Let's see if you remember some of those. Anyone out there do insanity? Or how about P90X? I think there was even one called Hip Hop Abs. Anyone do that one? I didn't, which is probably why I have IHOP abs, but that's a different story. Here's how this became problematic for me, however. When I mentioned to some members of our creative team that I'd never tried these videos, they decided I needed to have the experience. So, against my better judgment, I let them talk me into joining with some of our other teaching pastors to do a workout we called Teaching Pastor 90X, or TP90X for short. And for your entertainment, we decided to film it. Now that I'm sufficiently humiliated, how ridiculous was that? (laughs) I couldn't do many of the moves. I was out of sync, and I know I looked uh, like a fool trying to follow the example of the instructor. There is a reality, however, about exercise routines and all those exercise videos so many people tried back in the day. If you commit to them and follow the example of the instructors, not only will you eventually be able to be in sync with the instructor, but you will start to see changes in yourself. All of a sudden, you start to improve and master the moves, and eventually, you experience transformation. And what is true in our physical lives is also true in our spiritual lives. Over the past few weeks, we've been studying the book of Philippians together. Philippians is a letter Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, a church he founded on one of his missionary journeys. We've learned that Philippi was a Roman colony, meaning the citizens of Philippi were expected to adopt the customs, values, and practices of the Roman Empire. They were called to allegiance to Caesar and adherence to the Roman way. But in Philippians, Paul reminds Christ followers that our allegiance is to Jesus, and we are called to follow Him in His kingdom way. When we make the decision to follow Christ, we surrender how we previously viewed the world, and we adopt the mindset of Jesus. We learn to think and act and relate to others in the way that Jesus thinks and acts and relates. Now, last week, we studied the poem that we find in Philippians chapter 2. This poem is the centerpiece of Paul's letter. In it, Paul reminds us of who Jesus is and the example he set. But what does following Jesus actually look like in everyday life? Well, it helps if we have examples to follow. 
And while we do not have instructional videos, we do have stories that can help us. We can read about men and women in the Bible who lived Christ-following lives. And as we imitate their examples, commit ourselves to practice, we will start to see changes in our lives. We will experience transformation. Today, as we continue in the book of Philippians, we're gonna hear three stories that if we let them, can shape us to be more like Jesus. So let's take a look at each of these examples. If you wanna follow along with me in your Bible or on the Bible app, we're gonna to start today in Philippians chapter two, verse 19, with the story of Timothy. Now, Timothy is a guy who is mentioned quite a bit in the New Testament, and in every case, he is highly commended. In fact, Timothy seems to have been Paul's stand-in when the apostle needed someone to be present in a place where he was unable to be present himself. Here in Philippians, Paul gives Timothy as the first example to follow. He writes, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Paul describes Timothy as someone who will show genuine concern for your welfare. We can all tell the difference between faux concern and genuine concern, between lip service concern and authentic concern. When I thought about this phrase, genuine concern, one of the first things that came to my mind was an image from the war in Ukraine that went viral a couple months ago. Maybe you saw it. As women and children were escaping the bombing and fleeing to the Polish border, Photojournalist Francesco Malavolta captured this picture on the platform of a train station in Poland. Do you remember this? Uh, these are strollers left by Polish mothers, some filled with supplies, for mothers arriving from Ukraine with babies. And when I saw this picture for the first time, my eyes welled up with tears because this is an example of genuine concern. Paul describes Timothy as someone who embodies this trait. If I were to summarize what I think Paul wants us to see in Timothy's example, it would be this, look out for others. We live in a world where most people look out for themselves. Unfortunately, many times, even those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, it's what comes naturally. When I'm buying a product, I, I want what's best for me. When I'm planning my day, I wanna schedule my own priorities. When I'm choosing a course of action, I want what will work in my favor. But when I look at Timothy's example, I recognize that, that following in the way of Jesus means looking out for others. It's a whole mindset shift that doesn't come easy. It's like trying to follow that exercise instructor the first time you watch the video. Nothing about it feels natural. We have to commit ourselves to it and practice. When the trash needs taken out, what does it look like to look out for others? When we're driving our car, what does it look like to look out for others? When someone interrupts us and wants to talk, what does it look like to look out 
For others, when we're managing our finances, what does it look like to look out for others? When we're evaluating a government policy, what does it look like to look out for others? These are the daily circumstances, small and big, where we have the opportunity to decide whether we'll look out for ourselves or look out for others. If we follow Timothy's example, consistently practicing genuine concern, eventually we'll discover we've grown some new muscles. God will transform us from the inside out to become more like Jesus. Paul holds up Timothy as someone who shows genuine concern for the welfare of others, encouraging us to learn from his example. Next, Paul turns our attention to a guy named Epaphroditus. By the way, if you're planning to have a baby and are looking for a name, there's one to consider. Epaphroditus was from the church at Philippi, the church Paul is writing to. And that church had sent him to Paul with gifts and commissioned him to remain indefinitely with Paul to serve him in all the ways that they themselves could not. Now, Epaphroditus was committed to his role in the Jesus mission, but then something happened. Here's what Paul says about it, starting in verse 25. He writes, But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Paul calls Epaphroditus a brother, a co-worker, and a fellow soldier. He holds him in high regard because of his service. But while Epaphroditus was with Paul, he got severely sick and almost died. Paul sees it as an act of God's mercy that Epaphroditus survived. And in the middle of all of this, he says, honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life. If I were to summarize what I think Paul wants us to see in Epaphroditus' example, it would be this. Take risks for the mission. For a lot of us, the idea of risking our lives for Jesus and his mission is a pretty foreign concept. We have lots of freedom in this country. We get to worship openly. I have never been threatened just for the fact that I follow Jesus. However, there are people around the globe who risk their lives for the work of Christ every day. There are brothers and sisters who could potentially lose their lives, be put in prison for following Jesus. I was talking about this with one of our community pastors, Rodrigo Cano, and he shared a story. I, I keep thinking about this story. Rodrigo had the opportunity to visit Turkey a few years ago, and in Turkey, only 2% of the population is considered Christian. One of the pastors was explaining to Rodrigo's group about how they have to put their religion on their ID. Their ID, it's the main instrument that gives them access to services. Even when they apply for jobs, they have to show their ID. 
And this pastor explained how many times they were discriminated against for having Christian as their religious affiliation. It was especially hard to see their kids being affected by it. They could be treated differently in public service places like hospitals and schools. But then Rodrigo said, he was blown away when this pastor said that one of the things he encourages new Christ followers to do is to change their ID as a way of sharing their testimony, knowing full well the implications it will have in their lives. He encouraged them to take that risk for the mission. And Rodrigo's story stuck with me because it forced me to consider, what am I willing to risk for the sake of the mission? We are so privileged to not face many of the things our brothers and sisters around the world face. I doubt any of us will ever have to experience being unsafe or fear losing our lives for the gospel. Yet, I think following Jesus still calls us to take risks. For some of us, it might be risking our comfort and engaging more in blessing our neighbors. For some of us, we need to risk our security and start being more generous. For some of us, it might mean to risk surrendering control by praying some dangerous prayers. Paul holds up Epaphroditus as someone who took risks for the mission, encouraging us to learn from his example. And finally, Paul shares his own story as an, an example. I often think Paul's life story would be good material for a major motion picture. Here you have a guy who was brought up with an impressive pedigree. He was on the fast track to making a name for himself in the Jewish religious establishment of the day. He was intense, powerful even. In fact, he had taken it upon himself to defend his Jewish heritage by arresting and persecuting anyone who claimed to be a follower of Jesus. Here's how Paul describes his background in Philippians chapter 4 starting in or ch chapter 3 starting in verse 4. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the 8th day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Paul's list of credentials would have sounded impressive to any of his Jewish contemporaries. But then he met Jesus, and everything in his life turned upside down. Paul gave up what previously had given him status and privilege to become a servant. He writes, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. And as an aside, let me tell you that the Greek word Paul uses here for garbage is much stronger language than how we translate it. Picture the poop emoji, if you know what I mean. That's how Paul viewed his former credentials. He viewed them as blank. I consider them garbage, he said, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul now considers 
all those former things that brought him status useless, unimportant. The only thing that matters to him now is Jesus and his kingdom. And I wonder, could that be said about me? Could that be said about you? There are a lot of things we look to in this world to bring us a sense of status or security. Maybe it's our education. Maybe it's our financial bracket. Maybe it's our social connections. Uh, For me, I think I often look to the esteem of others for a sense of security. I want people to think well of me. Sometimes I fear doing or saying anything that would anger people and scar their opinion of me. But what we learn from Paul's example is that none of that stuff that we grasp for to define us really matters in the end. If I were to summarize the challenge we receive from Paul's example, I'd say it's this. Seek first the kingdom. What might it look like to seek first the kingdom in your family? What might it look like to seek first the kingdom in your job? What might it look like to seek first the kingdom with your checkbook? What matters is Jesus. What matters is his kingdom. What matters is his mission. Listen to these powerful words where Paul describes what now matters to him. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. This was Paul's primary concern, to become more like Jesus. He continues, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Friends, what matters is Jesus. What matters is his kingdom. What matters is his mission. Will we learn from Paul's example? Ultimately, The examples of Timothy, Epaphroditus, and Paul are so powerful because they are anchored in the story of Jesus. Jesus came to show us what it means to flourish as human beings. Timothy learned to look out for others because he was following the example of Jesus who modeled not looking to your own interests, but to the interest of others. Epaphroditus learned to take risks for the mission because he was following the example of Jesus who humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And Paul learned to seek first the kingdom because he was following the example of Jesus who did not consider equality with God God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Jesus is our example, and he is the one through his Holy Spirit inside of us who gives us the power to follow him. 
Paul encourages us that as we look to the example of Jesus, as we consistently apply ourselves to imitate him, that it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. As we follow the example of Jesus, imitating his movements like the way a person might follow the movements of an exercise instructor, in time, we will see changes in ourselves. Through the work of the Spirit, we will experience transformation. When we look into the mirror, we will recognize we look a little more like Jesus. That's ultimately the goal of the U-plus life we've been talking about here at Community, to become the flourishing version of yourself, which is the version of you that looks more like Jesus. I want to encourage you to join with us over this next week as we continue to study the book of Philippians together through the Community Daily. It's a great way for you to connect with God each day. Then talk about what you're reading with your family and your small group so that ultimately we can live out the example of Jesus together. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take a next step in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call U+. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.